Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 503 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Mm-hmm. Joe and Todd here. Todd, did you see my tweet about the Lamborghini of standing office desks? I did. I want to buy one just for myself so I can stand like a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. The uh, the person who initially set us down this road of the Lamborghini of dot dot dot, whenever they come across something like that, he's always sure to send it to me. Oh, good. So that was one I had to send out from, you know, the, the network account. I mean, That's whoever right. runs our social media. I mean, I don't know. I hear it's a ghost who runs that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now there's a ghost that runs a couple other accounts I follow. All right. Uh, so, hey, Todd, we're getting closer. We got a lot of comic book stuff to talk about this week, eh? Mm-hmm. Todd, I ask you, how are you? going to back the comeback i'm going to back it fully Mm -hmm. fully uh well i know how dc is gonna back the comeback by uh maybe cutting the legs out of a couple titles (laughs) maybe marvel might be doing the same thing what they giveth they taketh awayeth (laughs) uh we have the return of grading on you with a fun story that todd discovered in his uh, opportunity groups that he's on in Facebook. <laughs> I wonder how many of those people are verified contacts of yours. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, digital books and sales. Again, same disclaimer about that. We'll get into that. Uh, we're going to discuss the closing of our discussions of the Ed Brubaker Catwoman run with issues 17 to 24. Um... I don't know, discussions of what we're looking forward to this week since, you know, we'll get into that when we get into that. Right. A robust sampling in Todd's Art Attack and discussions of Legends of Tomorrow, the season finale of The Flash, and the series premiere of The Stargirl. Yes. So, Todd, it is nearly upon us. Yes, there are more books more new books shipping this week than there were the last five weeks. But next week is the real return. And Diamond is getting ready. Because they're asking you, the listener, and you, you and I, to back the comeback. They got a whole campaign. They got a whole slogan. Their comeback will be bigger than their setback. Patent pending, patent pending. <laughs> trademark, trademark. Mm-hmm. And uh, social media campaign, video campaigns, social media, as I mentioned, merchandise, T-shirts, etc., etc. I was going to buy a T-shirt, but those are... It's uh, at 35... Listen, $35 for a directed garment. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll just keep buying my comics. I think it would look good draped over you, though. Uh-huh. I'll give it the broski cut, and we'll see how that works. <laughs> okay. you got to fold it before you cut it, Todd. Just trust me on that. Mm, I don't know how to cut things. I, I've never learned, so. So, 
I'm all for this aspect of it, you know, like get, let's rally everyone around, you know? Right. Which a lot of people are doing in different aspects. I'm, you know, save what you love. That's the way I look at it. Right. Now that's the positive, I guess, but the, you know, maybe there's a negative, <laughs> right? The, the black mirror put to it, you know? Sure. Sure. Um, so apparently there are going to be some books that are going to have a special stamp on them to commemorate the return. Mm-hmm. Um, certain print runs maybe from before everything shut down that didn't get pulped. It's a little unclear, but it looks as though to further uh, promote what is going on and the return of comics being shipped on a regular basic basis... There may be "quote unquote" pandemic collectibles, right? I'm not sure how I feel about that. What? They can go right next to my Lady Die commemorative stuff. I know a kid who purchased a lot of those Beanie Babies. I wonder what happened <laughs> to him. I heard he's dotting TV in it or something. Uh huh. But anyway. Uh yeah, I don't know. Um, seems you know. A great person once said before we turn the mics on, when did this pandemic become a business? (laughs) Right. I mean, there's helping and then there's making it an opportunity, if you will. You know, like there's a difference. So I would have to look at each and every one and tell you my opinion, like the shirt, like uh, this and that. But like if you're going to do if you're going to try to earn money off the pandemic then no i that's a big fat zero us the big fat squad douche from me if you will right you know whether we're calling the books that were supposed to come out again it's very unclear as to how they're handling it but they're referring to it as the you know pandemic period of comics which is ridiculous yeah because so hopefully that'll it'll only be a couple months where the age of like comics like is decades you know it's stupid yeah that's the part that I feel just really, I don't really get into a lot of things like the less said about the, the major wrestling companies, the better. Mm-hmm. If only I had another podcast that I could discuss those things on that right. make me sick to my stomach in the way that they handle things, you know, in the back, in my heart of hearts, I know every company, every, everything is evil at its core, but I like to pretend that maybe comics aren't as evil as everything else. And mm-hmm. then stuff like this happens and I'm like, nope, they are. I just choose to ignore it. Yep. I keep my Twitter free of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'll just be happy when the books are back. I was, I, I dust, you know, I, I mentioned last week if I go to the Diamond site and those lists are up <laughs> on Wednesday, and they weren't. They weren't up until Friday. Um, but I was I, looking. I, yeah, I got my lists together, you know, uh, nothing this week, but I got a couple books next week. And as I was putting the spreadsheet together, Todd. Uh-oh. Yeah, that was very disheartening. And then we have to figure out delivery and uh, drop off. Oh, it's going to get crazy in the next couple weeks. We're going to cross that bridge when we get to it. The first bridge is, is updating the spreadsheet, getting an email to our local retailer of like, hey, make sure I get these books. Mm -hmm. Hopefully going from there, you know? Right. 
I might have to unfriend or follow everyone on Facebook, uh, present company excluded, of course, <laughs> except for our comic retailer. So I know and I get all the updates. Right. No stupid algorithms for you. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know. Some algorithms are more stupid than others. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you know, we, we, we poo-poo this and we talked about it, the other companies. Uh, did we say it was Boom that was sending out the free variants and DC had stuff and a couple of the other publishers as well? And we said that Marvel, I'm sure, is going to do something as well. And they are. Um, they officially announced it over the weekend. You know, they're they're doing their own thing, as Marvel does, you know, because Marvel's waiting until next week. So, like, that's when, like, really everyone else is waiting. You know, the industry leader, therefore, everyone else goes, right? Right. Um, you know, they're calling it back in action. Um, you know, everyone's going to get the free copy of the rare variant the first week of June. Uh, they're going to be getting all the empire stuff. Cause that was supposed to, you know, be all through April. And now here we are, it's, you know, move back two full months. Um, a 10 copy bundle of Joe Casada lithographs. Um, and then, uh, Ron Lim Hulk lithographs. And like every week in the month of June, they're sending free stuff to retailers essentially for them to do whatever they want to do with. Right. Um, you know, they, they are hoping, and I think, what did it say? Um, they're, they're going to hopefully credit, so re- offer things at a reduced rate. Um, any discounts that they had in place are still going to be honored retroactively on those sort of books. So it does seem as though Marvel is at least forward in their attempts to assist the retailers as opposed to be like, these are special pandemic collectibles. Right. All good things that we discussed when like Boom said and they were gonna do it, that Marvel should do it, and they we figured they would and they they came around and it's it's all good. There's not much more I can I can add to it. Good for Marvel. Yeah. Now DC on the other hand, <laughs> related but unrelated, of course, they announced over the weekend as well that two of their current ongoing series is is, is the Terrifics and Supergirl. Uh, we're going to conclude digitally. Now, this is not the first time that DC has done this, but every time they do it, it ver- it makes me very upset. Now, luckily, I'm not reading these books currently. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrifics uh, was supposed to end, um, or, the, or the final print issue of it is going to be this month, and then the last three issues are going to be digital only. Uh, Supergirl, similarly... Issue 40 is coming out, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, issue 40 was the last one, and then 41 and 42 are going to be digital only. Hopefully they'll put them in a trade, or maybe they'll put them in a trade and then cancel those trades, Joe. Yeah, so I'm sure this is something similar that's going to happen with uh, Inferior 5. Now, there's a couple Marvel books that they're trying to figure out because the Marvel solicitations for June and July and like what's on their ship lists are starting to roll out, but it's not full ship lists. And they did make a couple books that were in the midst of mini series is uh, amazing. Mary Jane cosmic ghost rider, stuff like that, that had like one or two issues left that they put the first four issues ahead of schedule. Cause typically the way that Mar- DC doesn't put their stuff on sale digitally. Right. They just, this is what the digital price is. You either pay it now or, or you wait for a sale. Mm-hmm. 
where Marvel, they put their stuff up same day and date digitally, but usually after a period of time, those books go to a lower price. Okay. A couple of those miniseries that I mentioned, all of them, you know, new books outside of that time period got put up digitally at 99 cents as opposed to cover price 3.99 which is making people believe that those limited series is whether the last issue or the last two issues are just going to end up being digital only because they're not on the june or july ship list right interest of fair play at least when dc does it when it sucks (laughs) they announce it whereas when marvel does it it also sucks but they do it a little bit more stealthily Right. I, I don't hope like that it either way. I don't like I, it either way. I know because I knew as soon as I saw these stories as they were stooged off to me, yeah. I was like, oh, Joe's going to hate this. The only thing I'm worried about is uh, Abram's son, JJ Jr. Um, is his Spider-Man story. Like, is it going to finish on time now or is it going to go direct to digital? And if it does come out digitally, does that still count, Joe? Um, I would say yes, it still counts. Okay, because I didn't know if we needed print copies in the store for you to approve. No, that, it's you know. released. You know, in this day okay. and age, however it comes out, it comes out. Well, I know we had a four-month feud over what canceled means. So I don't know what, what uh, you know, finished and out means. So I want to make well, I sure. Will, I will say this. That bookmark link that I have on the <laughs> Diamond website, issues four and five just don't exist anymore. Well, they got bumped back any day now. J.J. Jr. plugging away at it in the pandemic. Right, but at the end of March, you could still order issue four with a ship date of May 26th mm. or 27th. Issue five was there with no date. I think it was a date in September. Now issue four and five just aren't even there. Right. Soon. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll be out, Todd. This right. would... I agree. I still hold my petty grudges. I still have my... Once... How long does the comic book industry have to be back to a new normal, Todd, before I start to get real petty about all those things that I have written down of, you know, series is not finishing? Mm-hmm. How fast? Sure. After it's normal. I'd say a hot second with you. It's going to be like, it's normal. Why aren't these things out? Because the only real ones I have on here... You know, um, we have the the uh, the Adam Hughes collection, which you know we're at over a year now because that was back in January of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, now this one we're coming up now. Well, I'll wait on that one. Uh, there was a Garth Ennis Hellblazer omnibus, right? That was solicited July of last year uh, to come out April of this year. That never came out. I think. Right, but there was a lot of stuff in April that never came out. So Right. Uh, Inferior 5, of course, we joke about that all the time. But these two, Todd, we're coming up on the, um, well, next month, June 25th. It'll be a full year, okay, mm-hmm. of when they officially announced that Vertigo was going away, that we said that it would be back for whatever Vertigo's anniversary would be. Right. And then July, June 25th, like I said, last year, was when the J.J. Abrams' son Spider-Man's book was announced. And okay. then, June 25th of last year, I said, that book will never see... The, like, it'll never finish. Okay. And is the is the Hellblazer Garth Ennis omnibus... That's out. 
Is it out? Yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter like having a physical copy, and it looks like you can order them right now off of uh and it says like you know seven days to get someplace i don't i didn't have amazon but it was another like in stock or trades or something like that yeah it looks like that one came out right but like maybe our retailer doesn't have it because i saw that the weird western tales hardcover that i that i'm or that i ordered off my off our my retailer and paid for right maybe in this week but it is definitely in other stores, other places who went through non-diamond distributors. So like that, you can't go by. It's just a, it's just weird around now, you know? So, so I could cross that one off the list. Okay. I just wanted to say that because that was bouncing yeah. around the back of my brain as you were saying it. And I interrupted like all the, the other books that you were talking about. Sorry. And I could cross Doomsday Clock stuff off my list as well. That's right. Because it finished a week, one week late. Of our bet. Well. <laughs> right. One week late. Of our bet. So here's yeah. what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the J.J. Abrams book was announced June 25th, not mm-hmm. 2019. I think if we get to June 24th, 2020, one year to the day is when I could start ragging on that book for never coming out again. Fair enough. This doesn't count. This is just reporting the news of it. Right. This was actually me bringing it up. So right. to be fair. So some stuff, you know. Yeah. So Todd, you had a fun story to discuss in the grading on you segment of the news. Yes. Um I was perusing my uh sketch prices and comic commission sites uh, pages on Facebook, which I get information on price like current prices and opening lists and all, all that information. And then people put up what they buy have bought. And like, this is what I got for this price to set the market and everything. This one guy, his name is Jeff uh, Dyer. He uh, wrote with apologies to anyone who likes slab books, dot, dot, dot. I can't stand them. So recently got this lovely Frank Miller sketch. Thanks, Mike. All I wanted was the sketch, not the comic or the slab or the grade. So I did the unthinkable liberated the sketch from the plastic cop. Often, which I love the way that's the way he puts it. Uh-huh. I, I love, uh, I love how it's just a frame sketch now displayed with my photo of meeting Miller years ago, which I didn't put in my post because I thought that was too personal. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Resale value. I love blah blah blah. After that, I don't care. I won't be selling it anyway. Have, have any of you done this? kinds these kinds of atrocities to your original artwork he puts the price which i don't know if it was in the uh, post that i did because he had it edited in later which was three hundred dollars um and then he puts the pictures of him using the the, the straight edge slicer and taking it out of the, the slab and everything and then there's like i mean it cascaded into th- over 300 comments on that post on facebook but to me he's the goat greatest of all time I was laughing when I saw this post and I know you enjoyed what he had done, Joe. What did he do? Oh, he took the, he busted out a, a book. Oh, that was... No, I thought you said after all the comments and everything. No, no, no. Listen, I'm all for that. If I was a right. sketch guy right. and there was a great looking sketch of Scott Collins or some artist that I like your Ron limbs or whomever it is. Mm-hmm. And I had that sort of money to be folding around and thrown around and what have you. Right. And I could only get it by busting it out of a CGC slab. I'd do it right in front of the guy I bought it from. 
good for you. Um, like I said, there's a there's a lot of comments, and a lot of them are like, "It's your money, you can do it." You know what I mean? Because in this Facebook uh, a group, people got bounced because every time so- something's too expensive and they complain they can't afford it, or um, that they don't like what somebody does, they have to come in for the attack, and it's like. Listen, we're just trying to have a good time here. In your opinion, like, you know, like if it's mean spirited, keep it to yourself. But a lot of them were 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 good. They're like, your money, you can do it. But my favorite ones are like the well, if you didn't like it in the way it was, why didn't you get a frame and then mat it and keep the the it in the slab and you could have blocked it out and then you had the resale value? And I'm like, all these guys immediately always come back to the resale value. And they're always the guys who go, it's not about the money. The, 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 you know, the, 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 the prices are too high, but there's no flipping and there's no resale. These are the guys that always complain about the prices and complain that it's because of uh, resale value. And I'm like, you're killing me. You're all killing me. But some of the, the gifts and stuff like that are absolutely hysterical. Um, but I'm glad it didn't turn into a terrible, you know, debauch thing, but I love it. And if I could meet this guy somewhere to show, I, I would shake his hand or at least, you know, give him the, the bump two elbows together like baseball players used to, because we can't shake hands right now. We'll, we'll shake hands again one day, Todd. Right. At least a fist bump, if you will. Uh So at least he doesn't fall in for stupid opportunities. He knows what's what. Well, you know, some would argue maybe the uh, art and the original sketches and stuff is a different kind of opportunity. But no, no, I kid because I love, uh, you know, you know our thoughts on CGC. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is a nice Frank Miller sketch, though. It is, and it looks beautiful in that little frame, man. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Absolutely. Uh, so... That's really all there is in the news. Like I said, it is getting closer and closer to comics coming back. So, uh, you know, news and news will be lightening up until the books come back. The calm before the storm, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you check out our links, of course, we do have the link to our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green, who is still doing their back issue sales. 30% off a bunch of different stuff. And, uh, hey, maybe, you know, you need books. Uh, contact Dave, contact the crew and set up some sort of mail order subscription. He was doing it before all this happened. He was doing it while it was going on. And I'm sure he'll be doing it a lot longer afterwards. That's right. Uh, so we have, of course, discuss. this is where we would also discuss, uh, conventions that are possibly coming up. <laughs> and as we discussed a couple weeks ago, a couple of the conventions are no longer happening. Some of them still are. Um, Portland, Maine is still very confident that the last week of May they'll be doing a comic book convention that has not been canceled and or postponed yet. Uh, same goes for the Rocky Mountain Con in Colorado. Uh, those being the two most recent that are still on schedule. Um, sadly, the Middletown, uh, Comic Con has been canceled. No new announced date. And uh, what else is on the list of more recently coming up ones? Um, everything else is canceled. It looks like maybe we have Fan Expo in Dallas coming up in June. Heroes Con, as we mentioned, is canceled. Herm Sassafras. 
Um, but Fan Expo in Dallas is still on for the end of June, June 19th, 21st. So um, no knock on that Portland, Maine convention, but uh, more power to you. June 20th, 19th, 21st maybe seems like a little bit more reasonable of a time frame. Right. We shall see, though. But when, when, when the, the two cons that were supposed to be happening next weekend in Florida cancel, you know something's up. I'm hearing rumors one of them might stay open, so we'll see. Oh, boy. Well, a lot of stuff's opening up in Florida right now. Yeah, everything's opened up in Florida. Mm-hmm. So, digital books and sales, of course, is a bunch of stuff that's held over from the last couple weeks. Uh, Dynamite, Archie, Dark Horse, still having sales on a bunch of stuff. Um, we have the links to all those curated lists, whether it's kind of a catch-all that Comixology has. Um, other publishers like Dime or Dynamite, Dark Horse, Marvel, DC, Image, um, Amigo, all those companies that have uh, just lots and lots and lots of books available for you to be for free. And as books are returning to ship, as I've mentioned before in the past, whether you read them today or not, go put them in your cart, add them to your library just so that you could read them later. Mm hmm. Get them while they're free now, because they may not be free for long. Right. And uh, DC on their, I think, fourth week in a row, apparently the same book's on sale, this time called a Memorial Day sale. And, I, and I'll give you that. It is Memorial Day soon. Well, you can't argue with that one, like you said. Yeah. Because <sighs> it is true. I really <laughs> need to go back. If I had my druthers and I had more time... I'd be going through to see if, in fact, these were the same exact ones, just with different stuff highlighted and featured and whatnot. But if they were highlighted, those are the ones you're not supposed to look at, Joe. Oh, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. um, I will say the one thing that they're pushing right up in the front is, uh, you know, Sandman. Go get Sandman. Uh, you know, whoever curated the li this list also just included, like, the first trade of Sandman Mystery Theater in there. Why not? Well, I think it crosses over at one point in the early on, doesn't it? Yeah, there is a crossover. It's a one-shot. It's collected in the later Sandman Mysteries Theater stuff. Right. I think Morpheus does make an appearance in the early one, though. Like, he has a dream of him. But either yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's all because of that uh, audio play that's coming out of Sandman or whatever. Did you see that? Yeah, I didn't look too closely at that. I saw yeah. a bunch of people like laughing at some of the casting choices, and I'm like, nah, I don't know who any of those people are. Right, McAvoy. He was the uh, he was the guy who played uh, Xavier in the the reboots of the X Men movies. But oh, the one that Jimmy has... McAvoy, I know him. Yeah, you know Jimmy McAvoy. Hey, Jimmy. But the one that kind of throws me off is Cat Dennings as Death. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, everything I've seen her in just doesn't seem like she's the same character, which I have no problem because a lot of other actors, like Pacino, De Niro, you know, like uh, Vince Vaughn, like, they're all the same character in every movie. But that character doesn't equate to Death of the Endless to me. So we'll see. Will I probably get it? Probably. But I don't know. If not, I know somebody who'll uh, who get me an old reel the reel of it that I can listen to. Yeah, gotcha. Just uh, you know, mm -hmm. give whoever that is the Iggy about that. You know, right? Send them a text early in the morning. Yeah. 
So let's get to what we read from this past week, which is uh, the final leg of what we'll be reading for the Ed Brubaker Catwoman run, which was issues 17 to 24. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, I long for these days of uh, short stories. And I don't mean like, you know, short stories, because these are back when comic books were 22 pages plus of story. Not like now they're like 20, I think. Right. Uh, but, but what was it? It was like three issues was a story, and then four issues was a story, or something like that. Like yes, one it was. was. Yeah, three and four. So I thought that was nice. Like that broke it up very nice to give me a break to go get a drink and you know do stuff. I'm like, ah, this is this is you know before everything was six part stories, you know. Right, but or actually it was two fours. My or it was like um, but they bridged really nicely. Is what I'm trying to get get to is because. The way that these were written, they could technically all be single-issue stories. Mm -hmm. And they don't feel as though that there's, like, this exposition scene where we explain what happened to the previous issues to get you caught up on stuff. Of course, the the first part of it is, is, you know, uh, the fallout of everything that's come from the previous storyline that just wrapped up, which is a little bit bigger of a storyline. And... I think you had mentioned on the show last week about what a strong uh, female-focused book this is. Mm -hmm. But whenever have you read in a mainstream comic book, superhero comic book, it's Catwoman, you know, it's Batman's in the book, right? Right. Where you have so many characters having such not only deep, intertwined personal issues, but also them lamenting for many pages over one of the characters killing a villain. Yes. Like, Batman doesn't shoot people, and Batman doesn't kill people. But there's been dozens of times where Batman has killed people, and they <laughs> just kind of sort of move on. Right. It's almost like um, I couldn't save him. You know what I mean? There's it's like, like oh, well, we're moving on. Right. But I'm with you because this is the thing. Those first four issues, yeah, uh, they are uh, of the stuff that we read at the is some of the darkest mainstream stuff I've ever read. Uh-huh. Like it gets heavy. And I do feel and we'll get into some of it, but I feel when we hit that second half of what we read, the last four, Brubaker got a memo. You know what I mean? Like, because, and granted, it is natural and it flows great because, you know, Selena's like, we have to heal ourselves and blah, blah, blah. But then it goes into this fun-loving, you know, cross-country, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Hard-traveling heroes kind of a thing. And I'm like, man, like, did, did like, because when we said this book was criminal with a softer edge, no, uh-huh. these four issues were criminal. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like this could have been in any criminal book. Take out the superhero antics, and you're right. Take out the superhero antics and add in some add in some swears and uh, and some nudity too, and you're good. I don't know. They play they play fast and loose. Um, right, with but in, some of the panels and the shadows and the so ons and so forths. And but in, literally, the difference between Catwoman and the Sean Phillips art and criminal at all is maybe. A few inches of shadow. Sorry, some heavy inking saves yes. this book. Yes. <laughs> some, well, so I will well, this. Right. I have these all in print, right? Mm-hmm. And a couple of couple of them, as I was double checking stuff, because I didn't have them readily at my fingertips, you know, I have them digitally as well. So I was checking the digital versions. 
And I'm like, oh, they've showed a real lot of Catwoman's butt in this digital edition of this book, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the print version, they're showing a lot less of Catwoman's butt in that particular scene. Oh, so they they butted in more for the, yeah. for the digital stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I I just I loved this this storyline and i'm just gonna say there's a lot of stuff going on with you know holly's life and she's she took she stole some drugs just because she needed them as a as a as a safety blanket and like that's great and like uh, a lot of stuff with uh just the side characters and but the best part is uh slam bradley investigating the case of the the missing gold digger which i thought was fantastic and seeing how that weaves in and out of his relationship with Catwoman um, is absolutely fantastic. And he has a quote where like, he's just discussing because Catwoman comes in and, you know, basically they do what they do. And then she leaves in the middle of the night while he's sleeping. And he has this great quote that he just says, all I know, he doesn't, I don't understand what our relationship is, but all I know for sure is the room gets really cold when she leaves. And I was heartbroken for slam, like totally heartbroken. And I just know it's not going to go well. And then it's a train wreck when him and Selena get together and officially break up. I was like, Oh my God. But everything in this, this, this had me on the edge of dusty onions, all four issues. All four. Uh, absolutely. And mm-hmm. they do a great job of interplaying all these characters together. How the people who have the real problems with each other won't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And they're talking through all these intermediaries about what their problems are before, in the case of Selena and Slam, things blow up. And in the thing, in, in the case of Holly and Selena, things don't blow up. Mm-hmm. You know, they they go on the trip. And as you mentioned, Brubaker must have got a memo because these first four issues deal with murder and heartbreak and, you know, May-December romances and drug use and all this other stuff. And then the next four issues are, let's go on a road trip to the fun parts of the DC universe and Selena meets some of her wacky friends along the way. Yep, and I just want to say I do love that. Like the thing that got me the, the dustiest going into this happy go lucky is that Selena has a talk with Caron, Holly's girlfriend, and totally puts Caron over in this storyline because Selena's like I was worried about meeting her, and all she all she was doing was saying the right things to Celine and Selena, and she goes and sees them, and then in that moment they're like, I don't know how we're gonna make this better but we're going to make this better. And then they go into, like you said, like, let's steal a convertible and, you know, yay. And I'm like, but in that sense, we get into this next four part issues. And I had a blast because Brew Baker could mimic every city that they went to were in pivotal books of the time and seemed to make himself a chameleon when he decided to write those cities. Just like the writers who, like, James Robinson in Opal City or Jeff Johns in Keystone City or, you know, like whoever was Jeff Johns was doing St. Rock at the time. And I was just like, you absolutely nailed their the feel of other books. In, right. Set and in this those was this is a crossover, as you mentioned, you know, Flash and Hawkman and Starman and everything else that were going on at the time where these were not official crossovers. 
You didn't have to buy Starman to get this. But here's a taste of Hawkman. Here's a taste of Starman. Here's a take, taste of these things. And it's, you know, one thing, as, you know, Todd mentioned, oh, I want to have Hawkman in my book, but I'm going to write Hawkman however I want. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, Hawkman, Starman, and, you know, Flash is even really in the book. It's more about Captain Cold and everything. But Brubaker writes those characters true to how they were in the books at those times. Mm-hmm. Not just to be like, I want to use this character. I'm going to do whatever I want with him. Yep. And I just want to touch on two things. One of them is in all this, they go to different cities. And then there's the one issue that I pick up and it's Batman and Slam Bradley going to town, just beating each other up on the cover. And I'm like, this is not going to, this is going to be an interesting issue. And I was all for Slam when he got the free clock in. It was like Batman don't need a new clock because he just got his cleaned in that one shot, but he wasn't ready for it. And then Batman just takes him to task. But after what he said to Slam, like, you know, maybe if you talk to her, well, if I talked to her, I wouldn't have took advantage of her the way you did. And I was like, oh, Slam, good for you. And I literally, uh, the digital copy that I have, I end up screen capping and keeping that that uh, panel because I absolutely love it. And then they end up becoming friends because slam literally has that Benjamin Grimm attitude. Like you, you're going to beat me every time Batman, but I'm not going to stop getting up. And once again, slam just goes way, way over for me. And then the other thing was, and I'm just going to read my complete notes for issue 21, Joe, which had the captain cold cover, which blew me away when I saw it. I remember it, but blew me blew me away. My entire notes, let me see. And I quote, Captain Bleeping Cole is my notes for this <laughs> issue. When he shows up and he's just going up the steps and she's like, hey, Leonard, right? And she's like, yeah, he's like, I know you. And they were together in a, in a, in a run called the Secret Society of Supervillains. So they did team up. So they kind of know each other. And they go and he's like, this is the score. And she's like, this score is worth... $20,000. It's pride, baby. It's for the pride. And when I find out it's the flash helmet, oh my God, I marked out. <laughs> I was like, this is fantastic. The way it ends with Jay going like, I stole the helmet back and leaving a note. And if it was, if I didn't have monitor duty for JSA, I'd kick your butts all around Keystone City. And I'm like, Oh my God, I love this. And the fact that they brought Wildcat in throughout it and it wasn't strictly boxing stories. All right, he taught Holly some boxing stuff. But whenever you have Wildcat, boxing's going to show up somehow. That's a rule. Like Uncle Ben can't come back. <laughs> That's. Oh, wait a minute, Todd. Yes. You don't know? What? Uncle Ben came back. Oh, did he? Like several times. Yeah, sure. Oh, no, for good. Like the only. Oh two, no, not for good. Right. The only two axiom in comic axioms in comics for a long time were um, Uncle Uncle Ben and Bucky stay dead, and then the writer of this run decided, to heck with that half. I'm bringing Bucky back. So now the only one that truly stands is Uncle Ben stays dead. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, so like I said, I love these two two different feels, but two amazing storylines, and one of my favorite maybe flash tie-in issues ever. Right, it was uh, it was really enjoyable uh, going back and revisiting these books, you know, that I read, you know, when they first came out eighteen years ago or whatever it was, you know, way better than the Thunderbolts, as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. 
But I, I'm being serious on this. I was always a DC nostalgia guy. Sure. So this is all that DC nostalgia where a lot of the Thunderbolts uh, nostalgia in the books, which Brubaker slathers or uh, uh, Busick slathers on with like, you know, a cement trowel is the same way Busick does it in these books. But I absolutely love it because I understand every name drop. I think Brubaker is painting more with a thin brush mm-hmm. than a cement trowel, you know? Right. Where he'll throw the name in of someone or a place or whatever it is. How you mentioned before um, that Selena and Captain Cold work together in some secret society of supervillains story, right? Right. And in this issue, it gets two panels of mm-hmm. mention. Right. And if it was Brubaker, it'd be or Brubaker. If it was Busick, take it for what you will, it would have been like a four page flashback. Right. And all asterisk filled and like, and this yeah. is what happened. And then it led into, you know, Batman 237. And then it led into, yeah, that's where Busick kind of loses me on Thunderbolts. When you, the writer of a book, tell me two villains, one reformed, one kind of sort of reform ish. Mm hmm have teamed up together, I believe you. You know, you <laughs> yeah. don't need to show your work. And that's right. like, and that's the most of it. If you say that they were former lovers and married and had kids together, I, I might need a citation on that one. Right. I knew I might need the roadmap, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So, so in the end, Batman bad, Slam Bradley good. <laughs> when you uh, likened him to Ben Grimm the thing, that's perfect. <laughs> Right. That's because I'm good, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> but. And uh, he's he's great characterization. You know, we're kind of all over the place with it. But when he is attempting to solve that case, you mentioned of the missing gold digger, and he's seeing the parallels of that to oh. his relationship with Selena. Mm-hmm. Um, I get you when we talk about how this is criminal with the edges softened off. That part particularly, I think was a little bit more ham-fisted than it would have been if it wasn't criminal, and I understand why it had to be. Didn't make me enjoy it any less, but that one was just like, this is, like, it was every third panel was like, this is just like me. I could relate to this. I could understand this. And I'm like, okay, I get it. At the time, you weren't reading this in superhero comics at all. Right. To me, every inch of it was perfect. The Slam Bradley yeah. and the case and the and how it wove in and out of his life. And he was having and I did like how they were all having nightmares and like how they all pertain. Like Brubaker, that that four issue storyline might be one of the perfect storylines ever written. And you know, lastly, of course, with those first four issues, uh the part where uh Holly had taken the Kalanapin from Selena's sister. Mm-hmm. Who's in the in the the cuckoo house? Right, and she has the pills on her. She's a drug. She's a recovering addict, and the whole thing of every night when Holly p- passes out, Karen oh. knows she has the pills, and every night she takes them and counts them, and puts them back. And knows that Holly hasn't taken them yet. Mm-hmm. Like that is such powerful stuff. 
Oh, when she's like, and I know one day one is going to be gone. Yes. Because it's it's there. It's like an addict should not have immediate access to pills. And like when she said it, she's like, every night, and I'm with you. And I got goosebumps, as you said, every night I count these. And every night so far, they've all been there. But I know, I just know. And I'm like, oh, and you feel for her. You feel, because in that moment, like Brubaker translates the love Caron has for Holly without like, like like just sappy over the top garbage you know what i mean it's it's true caring you know like yes you, you can't mistake it so that brew baker he can write now is this catwoman stuff on sale in this dc memorial day sale and why is it not is the it should be it should be todd mm-hmm. i'm gonna guess it's not Call it, it should it should always. That should. This should be one of those, just constant sales. And I and I hope nobody relays this to somebody we know that I'm enjoying Catwoman, but it's been really good. We tried to dox her about it when it first happened. <laughs> and she didn't bite. Right. Well, it was real doxer, so that's a different thing. Oh my goodness. Um. So you can get issue one for ninety nine cents. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the first three trades of this, um, which is the Brubaker run, are on sale for six bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. Um, is this part of the sale? I don't know. So I don't know if this is like a limited edition thing, but I'd go scoop those up like yesterday. Right. Now, let me ask you a question because you read more. And then, you know, as, as we'll end on this Brubaker run of Catwoman, because he only has like, I don't know, like, does he have only like nine or ten more issues to he's, go, he he's on the book up to issue thirty-seven in a row. Right. Well, not in a row because he had that one fill-in issue. Right, fair enough. Which happens here and there. So you read it. Does yeah? Does he tie up his story, or does it? Does he leave? Like, does he Busick like Busick did on Conan? Do you know what I mean? Like, it felt like there should have been way more. And like, does does like Slam stay around with the new writers and stuff like that? Is do you know what I'm trying to ask? If that makes any sense. Um, like, will I get closure on Brubaker's run, or does it feel like you have to go into whoever follows? Or don't you remember? Okay. There is no definitive closure. Okay. Um, I, I think what he does at the end of it is satisfying enough. But it's not like a Bendis thing where, like, I'm going to upset the apple cart so much. Like, good luck to the next person coming in. Right. But there's also, like, here, I wrap up all my storylines. No. You know what I mean? Every, everything is not wrapped up. But you see what I'm trying to say? Like, it's not, because that's what a lot of people will do. It's like, I won't I won't change everything so the next writer can't come in. I'll make, I won't destroy it so much that the next writer has to figure stuff out. But my Holly and Karen stuff, like they're together. And like, now if you want to, if you want to throw a grenade into the story, by all means, but I leave it with certain things wrapped up with always there's open endings in in ongoing comics. So I don't know. I guess I'm probably going to say, I'm going to try and I'm going to read the rest of this. Right. Even though I didn't read the rest of Thunderbolts. Because yeah. this is, like I said, more my my speed. I gotcha. So. so I don't know when you're going to find time for this, Todd, because, of course, <laughs> uh, we do have books that we'll be reading uh, for this week. There is some new stuff, and uh, I wouldn't say new to us, but maybe 
new to revisit. As I mentioned at the top of the show, next week is the official return of everything of being back to normal. DC never stopped shipping stuff, but not everything. A few of the other publishers are releasing some stuff this week. And one of the books that we'll be talking about next week is a book that Todd has been reading for a long time. I've been in and out with, but obviously it's new, so I'm going to read it. And that's going to be Red Sonia number 15. Uh, written by Mark Russell, not the uh, political satirist, but, you know. Right. Well, he's a political satirist of another kind. He doesn't play the piano when he writes his comic books, I guess would be the... Right. He doesn't play a star-spangled piano. Correct. And we're also going to be reading something else. Mm-hmm. And this was suggested by Todd, so I'll <laughs> let you go ahead and let everyone know about this. That's right. We're going to go back to the days of the early days of Venom being a superhero. And it was a two part story drawn by friend of the show, Tom Durenick, Venom, Sign of the Boss, which, you know, has some interesting stories about the covers, but that'll come into next week's uh, place. But uh, I look forward to reading that. Right. So this was the era where Venom could not run his own. Uh, ongoing series. So mm-hmm. he just got tons and tons of mini series. This is from 1992 to forever. Right. And uh, the writer was Ivan Velez Jr. Cause I don't want to, you know, short him at all, you know? Sure. But. So this book came out in 1997. And just to give you an idea, other uh, Venom mini series is in 1997. Seed of Darkness, Venom on Trial, Venom License to Kill, and Venom the Finale, definitely not the finale. <laughs> right. <laughs> finale for now. Not definitely wasn't called that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the last issue, Venom does have a word bubble of him saying, it ain't over till it's over. <sighs> oh, Venom. You rapscallion, you. That's right. Uh, so, you know, um, Red Sony is available through all of your comic book retailers of any sort of things that you can. And uh, Venom Sign of the Boss, you can get uh, digitally off Comixology. Yep. So that's what we got uh, there. Of course, the links to all this stuff will be in the show notes that accompany this episode over at longboxheroes.com, where you can also find everything that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark. Um, again, if you're a patron at the $5 level, you're getting After Dark early, so you can listen to the shows in the correct recording order. And uh, no matter what level of a Patreon you are, the $5 up folks will be getting the May 1990 previewing the past this weekend. Everyone else will be getting Babbling Brooks' silent movie, which featured a special guest appearance <laughs> by Twitter Bon Vivon, words Big 80s himself, with his uh, very deep and intellectual thoughts on his favorite Mel Brooks film. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you could purchase shirts or stickers or pins with our fancy logo on them with art by the aforementioned Tom Durinick. You can get more shirts and more items from our T Public store, whether it be stuff inspired by this show, stuff inspired by At Odds with Wrestling, uh, even Final Wrestling Place 
part of the soon to be named network has their own shirt design in there. And uh, I did forget to mention soon to be named network before. So I'll mention it here uh, where the B final wrestling place, whether it be at odds with wrestling Wednesday night war puzzle warriors, three profane arguments, all the shows in our like-minded groups of individuals still putting out consistent podcast uh, week in and week out no more or no less uh, during what's currently going on in the world. Oh. And I got a serious voice there for a second because the other thing is on the other show, you know? That's right. I don't want you to, you don't want to throw up, throw out the cameo versus first full appearance. That's right. <laughs> then we're going to have people slabbing this and then Todd's <sighs> going to have to come out and say, no, no, I didn't acknowledge that character to be used in a background <laughs> of this, this episode. Oh, and you don't want to be putting these things in plastic coffins, Joe. Absolutely. Uh, but another way that you could support us, of course, is uh, by using our Amazon click-through across the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Uh, it does not charge you a single penny more, but it does give us a little bit of a kickback. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week is somebody purchased a flexi snake brand drain weasel sink snake <laughs> um and i can't vouch for this particular one but i will say this as someone who knows many professionals when it comes to this sort of thing your best bet would be to go to a job site of some kind and just steal an industrial grade one. Oh. <laughs> Somebody also purchased an 18-piece Corel service for six chip resistance dinnerware set in the Lisbon Terrace design. Ooh, Lisbon. Isn't that in Portugal? Oh, it's certainly. Oh, I wonder <laughs> if that's on a slow boat to Portugal. I hope everyone's okay by the time this gets there. Mm-hmm. And does he have four other friends that would want to share a table with them. Anywho. <laughs> uh, also, somebody purchased the digital edition of the latest direct-to-DVD home, whatever, animated offering from DC, Constantine City of Demons. I am so out on all of these DC animated things. I didn't even know this one came about. I'm sure I would have seen ads for it in comics. Oh, wait. That's why I didn't know this existed. Right. I want to say this is the one that was net... Because there was a bunch of different stuff, but I want to say this was the one that was on CW's website first in in mini episodes, oh, and then boy. was then was put on CW, and then now sold on DVD. Gotcha. Multi platforms of TV shows is starting to get to me, Joe. It certainly is. So, uh, some of the other notable purchases. Uh, somebody purchased, and again, you'll have to bear with me. A Gaomon, G A O M O N. 5.16 inch uh it's some sort of art tablet thing right right um hd drawing tablet shortcut keys and they bought the four-year protection plan wow magnifique was that a chef's kiss joe uh maybe Uh-oh. uh there's no video on me so you don't know if that happened oh, okay but i didn't I, I did magnifique and i did a chef's kiss but i didn't say chef's kiss but you just said it, so... But I didn't... Anyway. <laughs> uh, somebody also purchased a pack of two poker-sized bicycle brand playing cards. 
I assume I that's just... I assume that's someone opening up their own riverboat casino. <laughs> I was hoping to see uh, clothespins on this too. Then I knew what they were going to do with them. <laughs> what, Put them in the spot. Put them in the spokes, make your bike sound like a motorcycle. Oh, gotcha. I mean, you would use your old baseball cards. Oh, you can't. You got to slab those. There's opportunities with baseball cards, Joe. (laughs) And somebody also purchased uh, a two-pack of 300-piece jigsaw puzzles, as well as hangman puzzles for smart kids and hangman puzzles for bright kids i always got the hangman puzzles for dopes when i was a ute oh i didn't even know that there were hangman puzzles so i'm a dummy that's right i'd be interested to see what's up with that my kids been um doing like apps and stuff on the phone that kind of like make you play with a whole bunch of shapes and stuff to like figure right. out and you know and then he tries to race me and beat me in those and I don't sandbag him he's old enough that I don't let him win nothing <sighs> and uh he liked the competitive nature of it so uh you know if anything is working on his mind these might work you know yeah, that's good cuz if he's got your genes he's going to need it <laughs> well again you can fit about 7 of him in my genes <laughs> oh, boy or my Sam's about slacks, excuse me. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, thanks for all of the Amazon purchases. Like I said, really, everyone has really tuned it up, and I greatly appreciate it. Um, and when Todd sees his cut of this in two months, <laughs> he'll plot. Oh, maybe I'll get some more art. Mm-hmm. So t- speaking of art, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We had a few from uh, Rebecca Art again. Rebecca Art uh, 5 just wrote in some blossoms by Rebecca. And in her sketchbook, uh, just some beautiful blossoms. They look like blossoms. Can't argue with anything that was said. Those are some very nice blossoms. Also, uh, Jesse DeYoung wrote, um, I think this baby may be my last uh, original page that I have not posted in the years I've been sending these in. It's one of my most prized pages, too. Jim Chung on X-Force with a good shot of the team head to toe. And that's always good. There's like a three-quarter splash with three little panels, you know, uh, uh, and a long uh, cross panel. It looks beautiful. I love uh, Jim Chung art. I have uh, a piece by him, a sketch by him. Anything he does is absolutely gorgeous. And I did not read this X Force run, but uh, it looked very pretty. Yes, so, it did. Yes, it did. Also, uh, Talute. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost it there for a second. Uh, Talute DPU wrote in. Uh, he got a sweet question print signed from the hero initiative sale um he hasn't opened his but he showed the picture of the the piece that he's got by that Sinkevich makes stunning pieces so it's it's so good and that is a beautiful piece and i think it was the cover to the first uh black uh, label uh question miniseries absolutely gorgeous stuff i'd want one i want the original but i couldn't afford it so and finally, I put in an art attack. Um, this came in the mail today, a Mike Zek Captain America sketch. My first comic, Captain America, was 262 by Zek and uh, J.M. DeMatties. I always wanted a cap by Zek to commem- commemorate the book that sent me down the comic collecting path. So when I saw this on his site, I immediately grabbed it. On that site that I mentioned, the guy who cut up his uh, Frank Miller sketch, this is one of those things. Somebody posted, hey, 
I just happened to go to the that, that group at that time, and it just said, just posted. Mike Zek sent out an email. He's got 20 pieces of art on his page. I picked one up, and now I can tell you people. You can go have at it. <laughs> now and, there's 19. Right, exactly. That's the way you do it. You never drop it in the Facebook group till you've bought yours. And I went, and like one or two were gone already. And he had a couple of... Uh, he had a couple of punishers because he did the mike zek miniseries they always sell he had a full body black costume spider-man because he did the secret wars that had the first appearance of it and then he had a bunch of captain americas and when i saw this one he had a couple other ones that looked really great but this one just had a hint a smidge if you will of shield and i was like cap's got to have his shield it's got a little bit of shield i'm good to go and there are not enough o's in smooth for this piece now you had also mentioned something about a disparity in his signature yes he does two different signatures this is what i found out online like i did not hear it from him definitely and i would ask him next time i see him but he does a mike uh michael zach where it's out like uh cursive and then he does like a circle in the middle and that's for signatures for books obviously every book gets that but then if he does a sketch at a con that's the that's the signature that it gets but if he does something at the studio at home he just does this funky z-e-c-k-zek signature and since these were done at his at his home i have the funky zek signature which i kind of like better and uh this is way better than a, a piece he would do at a convention because he liked to add, I don't know how they pronounce it, if they're Copic or Copic markers. He added a bunch of like shading and coloring with the markers where if this was just at a con, he would just be black, white, maybe some ink. If uh, John Beatty, his inker of Captain America at the time was there, he would ink it for you. But uh, I like what he does here. And I think I Captain America's steely eyes get me every time, Joe. Like a doll's eyes. Yes. So and I don't know if you could tell. I'm excited about my my. Yeah, absolutely, about. man. I'm with you. Um, I just want to throw this out there as well to listeners. Um, this will make sense to you if you're not a Patreon when After Dark comes out later this week. But uh, my co-host on At Odds with Wrestling, Adam uh, at the Man Adam Van, recounted some information regarding what we had discussed on After Dark because he does listen in the correct listening order. Um, so I don't know. In three days, go find that tweet of his where he attempts to take Todd to task for a story that he tells. Um, and this is this is Taskmaster Todd, not something else, Todd. So right. I don't know. I, I'm not replying to that tweet, but I would be remiss not to mention it to you, uh, the listeners of this show, you know? I saw it and I didn't get to read it, but I'll tweet it out in three days. Yeah, exactly. I'll retweet it. I'll retweet it. Don't you worry. I ain't afraid. All right. No, it's not that I'm afraid. I just don't like to give him any sort of uh, acknowledgement or recognition when it comes to things like this. Right, you don't want to give him the rub. Eh, I've mentioned his name like six times already, you know? <laughs> right, that's seven times too many. Exactly. All right, so TV talk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have not watched Flash or Legend of Tomorrow or Stargirl, uh, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. Episode 503, Longbox Heroes. We'll give you a second, and uh, we'll get into the TV talk. I'm going to guess starting with Flash, right? Yes, always Flash, especially since it's the season finale. And we always end with Legend of Tomorrow by law. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was the season finale. Uh, Certainly didn't feel like the season finale, but I I get why it didn't. 
Right. But like I also was talking with somebody that we know, I said, if it does, like, it feels like the next episode could have been the season finale. And when you have three more episodes, that tells me that maybe they should stop padding their season. So, yeah, like, I don't know. So like I said, it was a, it was a decent episode. You know, we've, you know, Iris is doing her thing in the mirror universe and she's going to figure things out, find sing and get everybody out of there. But I don't know. I just, just knowing that we weren't going to get like a like a conclusion on this issue episode. It kind of like, I didn't care if that makes any sense. Like I knew everything had shut production down and I'm like, all right, we'll figure it out next year, I guess. Right. This definitely felt like, you know, with the production schedule and how that all sort of worked, this felt like what would have been the break before the actual season finale. Cause I think we would have gotten at least three more episodes if production didn't get shut down on this. I was reading an article. They said, yes, they were in the middle of finishing up one episode and then they had two more to film. Right. So, you know, obviously we get the resolution. Uh, Eva comes to the mirror. Uh, she kills her husband. And again, the name right now, um, what was, uh, the was Mr. McCulloch. That's all I say. No, uh, uh, Carver, wasn't it? Joseph, Joseph Carver. Yes. No, maybe. No, I don't know. Yeah. Joseph Carver. Cause I'm looking at this guy's face. This was the most we've gotten of him all season. Like we would get like a scene or two of him, mm-hmm. but he was at his most scene chewing this. So you loved him then. I loved him, and I was sad to see him murdered. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish we would have gotten more of him, you know? Right. Um, but, you know, it's so it's this whole thing where, like, he's blackmailing uh, Sue, not Dibney yet's parents. That's why she's doing all the stuff that she's doing. They find the warehouse where all this stuff is going on, but the mirror police captain is there. Uh, David Chief Singh is there. He's going to burn the whole thing down. So all the stuff that uh, Carver has on Sue's parents gets destroyed, but she still wants to take him down. Then there's the big fight scene because his crew, his cronies now get swayed over to the side of Eva. And a lot of this stuff just felt rushed was good it's a show called the flash it felt rushed to kind of get some sort of satisfying ending when there was still three more episodes to tell to get to a lot of the stuff and it definitely felt like okay what can we finish to make things satisfying enough to move on leave as a cliffhanger and what's the stuff that we could hold over to next season Right. And the thing that real, the one thing it was an all right episode, but the one thing I did not like is whoever directed this episode decided to make it look like it had comic panels during the fight. And it completely took it up. It reminds me of that Ang Lee Hulk movie, what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work. Don't try to make a comic book show look like a comic book you don't try to make a novel look like you know a, a a movie from a novel look like a novel i don't know i don't know how to put it i just when they were trying sliding panels in and sliding panels out i'm like this uh, this is more annoying than it is you know functional so please stop this and never do it again the only thing i hate worse is in a tv show and or movie when someone gets punched stabbed or shot and blood hits the camera that's that's the only thing I hate more. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, they were trying to go more actiony, uh, especially mm. with that final sequence, you know. Right, and it didn't work. 
But all in all, with what they had, unfortunately, end up being an okay episode. Right. Not and the most s- satisfying conclusion, but here we are. And they said, now I don't know how they're going to do it. Like, just say a season's 21 episodes. We are still going to get the three-part story that would have been the end. Whether it is going to be now a 24-episode season or they're going to just do the first three episodes, the last three episodes as the first three episodes of next season and then have a three episodes less season, shorter season, if that makes any sense. But we're going to get the story that we had, if that makes any sense. They said they're not changing anything. The script's written. We want to end it the way it was supposed to. Right. So we'll see next season. We certainly will. Uh, so next, I guess, we'll discuss Stargirl. Yes. Now, we got a chance to see this early because the way that the schedule is working with this is it's going up on the DC Universe app first, and then it's airing on the CW as we record this. So we're biting the bullet watching this early so that we can talk about it on the show. Now, right off the rip, I have to wonder... Do I go and watch the aired for TV? Because there was a swear or two. And the runtime of what we watched was nearly an hour, no commercials. And they get cut down to like 44 minutes with commercials when they get aired on TV. So I wonder what gets cut out on this. Right. It makes me think, too. So I have no idea. One of those things where it's like this episode of Stargirl is so important. It's presented with a limited commercial interruption. Oh, that would be fantastic. But uh, I don't know. I, that's something that I'm actually looking to see right now, but I'll let you know in a minute. Cause I'm looking at my streaming. Like I, I, we watched it on the DC app, but I also, cause I didn't know how we were going to do it, whether we were going to um, watch it that way or wait for Tuesday and review it next week. So I DVR'd it. So it's on my DVR with it'll tell me how long the whole episode is. Like I'm wanting to see if it's an hour and a half, if that makes any sense. But yes. So I don't know. So um I want to say as well before we get into the actual discussion of the plot of the show. So last week I tried to tiptoe around uh the the, the person who was in this show. Mm-hmm. You thought I meant, because I, I avoided everything, right? I, I, I'm right. like, it's Stargirl. I know Jeff John's involved. It's the reason Doomsday Clock was late, so this better be good. <laughs> um, That's all I need to know. I don't need to know anything else. I'm not going to read anything. And then I think you thought I was talking about Luke Wilson. Right. I didn't know Luke Wilson was in it. What I was talking about, it was stooged off to me that Joel McHale was in it as Starman. Okay, did I say who Stripes he was? No, you didn't say. You, okay, so I was insinuating that I knew someone who was in the show. Okay. I, I didn't know, and again, this is not a knock on Joel McHale or anyone else in the show. You're all great actors and you're perfect at your craft. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> but I didn't know a real actor that was in actual movies was in this TV show. In right, Luke well, Wilson. And an actress, Amy Smart, from right. the Crank movies. Yes. So. Uh, so, and I'll, and I, but Joel McHale being in this, I'm like, oh, he was supposed to be Booster, uh, he was supposed to be, like, Booster Gold, or he was supposed to be Woody in Quantum and Woody. He's not just supposed to be Starman. It was fine, but now, you know, now he's Starman. He can't be anyone else. Right, and he's, and he's, like, the, the, 
seventh best Starman at that. Yeah, and he's Be- and he's also like the linchpin for the show. You know, the the driving plot of the show, as it were, mm-hmm. because you know who is Courtney's dad? Is it him? Is it not him? Whatever. And I remember how long that dragged out in the comics. Yes, sir. Um, but Luke Wilson, when did Luke Wilson become David Arquette? Oh, and he didn't even get to win the belt. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know, but he was fantastic as Stripesy. Right. Um, so all in all, i like this. Once it got moving, um, even though it looked good and there was actual like Hollywood actors in it, you know, not just whoever they could find on like Vancouver casting calls. Oh, but the cast of Supernatural shows up. But anyway. <laughs> but it was like the first two thirds of the show was like every teen comedy, fish out of water sort of thing. It's like, oh, it's the. You get your thing with the JSA at the beginning. I'm like, oh, it's the JSA, and they're taking on the Injustice Society. And there's all my favorites, and there's Solomon Grundy in the shadows because the special effects are a little dodgy still because it's still the CW. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then we're playing, like, fast and loose with the time because, you know, and they do pay off why Luke Wilson, again, you call him Stripesy, you call him Pat, whatever it is. It's Luke Wilson. That's who this is. Like, why is he driving, like, a red and white 57, like, Chevy, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they say that this takes place 10 years ago, and they're playing, like, 70s and 50s music on the radio. So they're playing real loose with the time on this. And I'm like, I can't get too hung up on it, but I really need to fight to not get hung up on it. And then once it gets to normal time, I'm a little bit better with it. But then once we get to the normal time, it's like, oh, Luke Wilson's the stepdad and we all don't like him. And both the kids are unhappy and going to the new town of Blue Valley. But once they get there, one of the kids loves it now and the other one kid hates it more. And then she gets into more trouble at school. And even though she's like the most attractive person on the show, (laughs) she gets sat at the misfits table and they they drop in a bunch of plot points regarding like, the cheerleader girl and the the creepy janitor and all these different things like that. So there's enough plot stuff there. And then, of course, the show then changes once she finds the cosmic rod. And are they calling it the cosmic staff? Staff, because that's that was even changed during the Jack Knight era. Because he's like, there's no way I'm walking around with something called the cosmic rod. It is now the cosmic staff. And I, even people were like, that's not much better, Jack. But, um. Yes. And then it gets into, you know, and then some of the special effects are a little dodgy, but then she has the battle with Brainwave, who, you know, in a sense of irony, is the dad of the head jock at the school. And the pieces are there that this is where, the the reason they're coming back is this is where all the villains of the JSA ended up. Right. And, like, all their kids are now at the school. It's what it feels like is going to happen. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like... This is something that would happen in a comic book, so I'm okay with it happening in a TV show. Right. And it's almost like that bully kid of Brainwave is, you know, like Brainwave Jr. or something. Like, if they had a character named that. Oh, wait, they did. So, we'll see. But, uh, yes, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, of all the things that I kind of disliked, maybe, was that they turned the Cosmic Staff into the magic carpet from Aladdin, a la Doctor Strange cape from the movie. Like, now it's sentient, and 
has like I'm wondering if it's that's going to turn out to be Joel McHale in there or something like that. I I don't know, but never in the history that I remember of Starman. Granted, didn't read every incarnation and every issue. The the Cosmic Rod or Staff never had its own you know intelligence. So I was like, all right, but I guess that's the way inexperienced Courtney gets to protect herself. Like the, the staff's doing the heavy lifting and I'm like, all right. But, and all those little things that you kind of like have a problem with, like, like, Oh, she's the most beautiful woman in school, but they, they established the, the most popular girl tries to put her on the cheerleading team. He's like, I don't, I'm not into cheerleading. So she immediately turns her back on her and then somebody steers her towards the losers table, which I believe is the female villain from the, that killed from the injustice, you know, society i'm like so there's all these little things that i actually do love and finally when and i'm gonna call him stripesy and i don't care if he's luke owen or owen anything or whatever when he shows up in the robot at the end i marked out and i marked out when she found the jsa photo which is that classic around the table alex ross shot and i'm like I'm all in. I don't care. Do goof. Do whatever you want. The show has heart. It's fun. It looks way better than a lot of the other CW stuff at times. And the janitor had, even though they're on the DC universe, he had the CW uh, beard on. So I'm ready to find out who he is. And, you know, obviously you could kind of put the pieces together if you go to the IMDB and look at, like, the names of people, because sometimes they tell you who's who and who's not who, Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, And yes, having not looked at anything other than, like, the initial publicity stills of uh, the girl who plays Stargirl, when Luke Wilson shows up in the stripe armor at the end, and it's just the car as a Transformer, I marked out. Right. And I have to say, I looked it up officially. The actress who plays Courtney is 20 years old. All right. I just wanted to make sure as I was watching this episode. And we found out, and I did like the JSA in the beginning of it. It was sad seeing them getting taken down. But we finally did see uh, a situation that Wildcat couldn't box his way out of. And I still want a jay garrick helmet replica after seeing it in the catwoman issue and laying on the floor with riddled with ice uh daggers in it just give me my jay garrick helmet you would have to get one that fits your giant melon head you know well if i get them and i'm not doing this for the joke if i buy a jay garrick jay garrick helmet i'm buying two I'm buying two, one to keep in pristine in the box and one to literally wear when i go pick up my new books Wear that, your Casey Jones mask. Oh, put wait, it all, all together. My, like all your accoutrements like that. Put them all together. Oh, my uh, my Captain America shield, my uh, all the different color lantern rings. Oh, my God. I'd be like the ultimate really cool guy, Joe. You'd be a Mazo or the Super Adaptoid. Take your pick. Uh, the Super Adaptoid Amazo? There you go. Uh-uh. Yes, adapt Mazo or something like that. We'll put that together. We'll 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 figure it out. But yes, that's who I'll be. And uh, you know, and and I I may have been ragging on it a little bit, of course, but I had some fun with it. I'm glad you mentioned about the age of the actress who plays Star Girl, and I didn't. <laughs> well, married man, Todd. Come on, right, right. Um, but I, I mentioned about how there was a lot of the tropes that you would see in a teen TV show or a teen movie in the first, you know, two-thirds of the Stargirl episode. Let's talk about Legends of Tomorrow this week, Todd. Right, with no tropes at all. 
they were troping all over themselves. Oh my goodness. So they have to to be able to helm the loom of fate, you have to be immortal. But who really is immortal these days, Todd? But lo and behold, wouldn't you know who won the pony? That back when Nate was in college, there was a cup that looked just like the cup in that picture that he remembers vividly that this guy would only let certain people drink out of in the frat and it would almost make them like they were invincible for an hour or whatever it was. So they go back to the old school, and it's actually Dionysus, the god of partying and frivolity, who is living his days in a Van Wilder situation. Uh, And of course, now they have to compete to get the cup off him. Nate falls asunder of him. Rory's there with his daughter taking her on a tour of the campus. There's a bunch of just play alongs going on on this. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, the women of the Legends of Tomorrow decide that the way that they're going to do it is they're going to start their own sorority to compete with Dionysus's frat, and they're going to get the outcasts from the sorority that they tried to join earlier in the episode. Oh, the only thing that was missing from all of this is I wish there was a cameo in this episode from Donald Gibb. Other than that, perfect. This is what every episode of the Legends of Tomorrow should be. I just want to say, first off, you keep saying Nate, and you keep saying Nate, and it's shotgun Nate, Joe. Show some respect. <laughs> right? Shotgun Nate is in this in this thing. And I absolutely adored the sorority's motto. Do you remember it, Joe? No. We may not have it all together, but together we have it all. I'm like, that should be on a shirt. Put that on the shirt along with, you know, DJ S'more Money and like all the other stuff that I and I would pay for it. And in the end, Joe, they literally had to have a competition to get the cup. Oh, my God. Winner takes all, Joe. I've never seen that in any college situation, movie or TV show in my entire life. Fantastic. And then you have Astra. And uh, what was what's the shape changer's name? Zari. Oh, Zari's the uh, the the one with the with the wind powers, but either way, Charlie. Um, Charlie. You have Charlie and Astra, who you know, uh, Ast- Charlie's trying to get Astra to learn how to do it the legends way and learn from him from from them. But in the end, the legends learn from Astra. It's perfect, Joe. It's it all comes together at the end, and it is perfect. And then they all drink. And they become immortal, except for Zari, which I found interesting um, because I'm wondering if I think she might have said something like it was against her religion to drink or something like that, which I thought was fascinating if that is the reason they do it or if there's some like other reason like we're going to find out later. And I'm just mad you had a drink out of a cup to get the powers to use the loom because I figured they would have had to eat from a bowl of fruit. And that way it would have been the fruit of the loom. Oh, boy. I let you. I saw that one coming down the freeway. I'm like, I'll let him have this one. Go ahead. (laughs) You're just going to you're going to play no defense on me. I like that. I see where you're going anyway. But Uh, but yeah, Legend of Tomorrow was great. And uh, I I really enjoyed the first episode of Stargirl. So uh, looking forward to that next week as well. That's right. Two more episodes of Legends, and yep. I wasn't like, hopefully it's 13 of Stargirl and not 10 like Swamp Thing. 
Um, well, do we know if Stargirl is finished? Yeah, they finished shooting it all together. It does say it's 13 episodes. That's what I was, I was under the assumption that it's all done or we'd never get the end because you can't film anything right now. Yeah, that's true. Well, and so, you know, one would think that whether it runs its full course, you'll get all 13 episodes, at least in the DC app, whether or not they all air on the CW, but obviously everyone's starved for new product. So whether this does good or bad, I'm sure all 13 episodes will in fact air. I agree. I think they will all end up on the CW. Yes, sir. So I think that's it, Todd. I think that is everything. Yes, indeed. So next week, the begin of the return of books. Yay. Very exciting. So thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for bearing with us over these last couple of weeks as we kind of changed what we were doing in the format of the show and everything like that. But, uh, Hopefully we'll be able to get this back. Hopefully it hasn't been too different from the show that you've loved and enjoyed low these many years. And hopefully you continue to enjoy and love the show for many, many years longer. I agree. So for Todd, this is Joe closing out episode 503 of Longbox Heroes saying thanks for listening and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.